Hello everybody, welcome to the UK Packers podcast. As usual, I'm your host at the Diddy NFL on Twitter and of course follow the group at UK Packers and it's the 53-man roster prediction. Uh, the season is slowly creeping up and to help me wade through uh, the expertise and nonsense um, is my good old buddy old pals, Peter Jones and Andy Davies. What's going on fellas? What is happening? I'm good Steve, really good. How are you? I'm not too bad. Um, it's... It, you know, school's starting. It's a very emotional time. Um, so to, to stop me from weeping openly on the podcast, I'm going to let you let's do most of the talking. Pete, I saw on Twitter, uh, you know, you were talking about um, having a pretty good off season yourself. Are we slotting you into that sort of offensive line or what position <laughs> by your I, I body type at the moment are we playing My here? body type looks perfect for right tackle, Steve. Perfect. <laughs> Sorted. <laughs> so, Andy, we have the right tackle locked up so you can update your uh, roster prediction for that. But how are you doing, bud? <laughs> yeah, I'm good, thank you. Yeah, highlight of the day talking to you chaps, obviously. Yeah, it sounded like you had a bit of a rough day. Um, but you look, we're going to pull it back and talk all sunshine and just straight up positivity because there's nothing else but positivity on this Green Bay Packers roster. Edit out the sarcasm. So we're going to try and um, wade through the 53. Lads, when I was looking at this, um, not that it's a, not as if like we have, you know, 53 uh, standout first ballot hall of famers here but the way some of the stuff falls certainly for me anyway and from looking at these uh sort of because what i did was is like last year i gathered up all of the stuff that i saw online and i'll throw them in after you guys make your picks but for me an awful lot of this stuff is straightforward not ideal peter but very straightforward in some positions Uh, it just comes down to how many we keep in some things so do you see it the same and with that said what positions are you going to dive into which seem to be sort of tacked on, painted on, and there's no debate on whatsoever? Yeah, no, I agree. I, I absolutely agree, Steve. I think if you look at it, there's anywhere around 45, 46, 47 players who are kind of seem to be nailed on Yeah. Uh, for, for the roster. And then, uh, then, then I think there's just, you know, two or three positions where there are some questions, A, around, in, around injuries and B, around like wide receiver how many guys they keep you know and you know do you do you think of Tyler Irvin in that space rather than the running back space and 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 that kind of thing but yeah I I think it's large largely set Andy if we're honest with ourselves here as well because we're going to run through and we're going to talk about deficiencies and not to start off on a negative note but let's just be realistic about it here we are right in saying, aren't we, that uh, when we're looking at these 53 gentlemen, they'll do their best, of course. But there's there's glaring holes in this roster that we're going to see as we kind of work through this exercise, right? Um, when you look at this team, what's your overarching expectation, I guess? What's your realistic outlook for this team? And the third one I'll throw at you, because, you know, like a, it's Steve Bago questions, O'Brien, right? The other one that I'll throw at you, if you can sort of meld all these together and go with it, is... Um, what position groups do you think are glaringly obvious that there's a massive drop off between the sort of star talent that we see at some positions and then the, the backups or people that should be expected to play um, and fill in that role? But, you know, wouldn't be the upper echelon like the guy. Let's use the defensive line, Kenny Clark, for instance. I think the the expectation for me is, is Super Bowl. So while you've got number 12 playing at a high level, it should always be that. 
mm. and no less. Uh, the overriding emotion is frustration, because I think that, uh, which leads you into the third part of the question in terms of the talent on the roster is, it's top heavy, isn't it? We've mm. got a, a select band of premium players at virtually every position. You know, if you go right through the roster, whether it's QB with 12, offensive tackle, offensive line with Jenkins and Bakhtiari, uh, Aaron Jones, Devontae Adams, arguably tight ends, probably the weakest position group on the offensive side of the ball. Kenny Clark on D-line, um, the Smith brothers and the linebacking core, King and Alexander, Savage, Amos. We've got premium players that yeah. that would potentially you know, walk into any other team in the NFL. It, it's the drop-off and the depth after that that is considerably worrisome, isn't it? So I suppose that's where the, the, the frustration sits because if you add some, and I'm sure we've got some young potential talent that we'll discuss throughout the roster, but it, it doesn't, the, the holes are underneath that top layer, aren't there? That, that's, that's the best way to describe it. Yeah, I, I think Andy's really hit the nail on the head there. And I think that, you know, those guys behind those names, those players that Andy's just named, you know, we've got to have, you know, those other guys step up, you know, whether that's, whether that's a Lazard or, or, or MVS, whether that's a Chandon Sullivan, those types of guys have really got to take a take a step up in you know in, in this year to, mm. to kind of fill those perceived holes if you like behind behind the star players. Yeah, because one thing that strikes me, lads, is is that I often wonder is it a bit of shell shock um, f- for me anyway, where I look at the roster and I'm like, okay, I have to get used to the idea that it's being built differently. You know that we have Gudikuns in there now, we have Lafleur in there now, and he obviously wants to run some type of system. Uh, you know that you you see elsewhere and his, his sort of past offenses or whatever where it's running back heavy and all these type of schemes so i kind of get that but that doesn't explain i don't think um you know the, ga- the gaping holes on the defensive line or the fact that we have one half of the offensive line that's set and the other one you have a bunch of veterans and and guys in there and you're you're trying to rotate because you still don't actually know what you have inside linebacker is effectively non-existent particularly with the injuries but and that's the shocking part about it as well, right? Uh, Kamal Martin, people are like, oh, well, you know, he's going to be a day one starter. They're very excited about him, whatever. Let's face it here. Look at where he was drafted. Um, and yes, he could have potential and he's impressed in camp, but a lot of people impressed in camp. There was a guy, what was his name? Alex White. He was a wide receiver. I don't know how many moons ago now. And he was like the MVP of training camp. Every time he'd be coming down with summer salts and all the rest. Um, so when you look at these, the fact that we're kind of relying on Kamal Martin and there's massive news that he's now injured and could potentially be out to week 11 or whatever it is. Um, you're in a pretty bad shape if you're saying that about a late draft pick. Um, you know, that wasn't tacked on. So, you know, that sort of doesn't paste over the holes here. Now, I'm going to, I guess what we get out of the way first is, is the really basic stuff for me, which is quarterbacks, Aaron Rodgers, Tim Boyle, Jordan Love. Uh, they have to keep three. Tim Boyle has played a stormer for what it's worth. Who cares, I guess. But they don't want the Jordan Love to see the field. Um, and then I guess we can go all the way down to special teamers. So there's no debate with Mason Crosby got that new contract J.K. Scott of course Hunter Bradley was on that COVID list he's now off that list um, so he's tacked on for that and we all know that's how stuff works um, you just happy with that or forever hold your peace yep yep so the only other one then and this is where we start to get and we start to get tricky let's not I won't get ahead of myself right but let's talk about I think an intriguing one which is the wide receivers um, on this so P. 
Peter, wide receiver wise, you know, I've, I've seen on stuff here, it goes anywhere from five to seven wide receivers. Where's your head at? Yep. So, so my, my head was originally at six when, when Devin Funches was, you know, before Funches opted, opted out. Yeah. I'm basing this a little bit on, on the reports that we've seen during, during camp. And I'm, you know, you have to take some stuff with, with, yeah, well, you know, it's, 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 okay. um, but, but it appears that Tyler Irving has been spending a decent amount of time, if not a lot of his time, you know, uh, practicing with the wide receivers. So, so on that basis, I think they keep five wide receivers and Tyler Irving. Yeah. So Tyler Irving is kind of all purpose. We'll play some out of the backfield and we'll line up, you know, as a wide as a wide out on on other plays. So, but I think five specialist wide receivers plus Tyler Irvin is my is my feeling today. So um, we're going Devontae Adams, Alan Lazard, MVS, ESB. Now there's some debate there whether it's Jay Kumaro, Darius Shepard, or Reggie Bagleton. Who is your fifth guy? So, so this might sound quite bizarre. When 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 they when I thought they were going to keep six earlier in the year, my six my sixth guy was Reggie Bagleton. Yeah. But now my fifth guy, I think, who will make the roster will be Kumaro. Uh, and, and I'm saying that really on the basis of um, them keeping five. The fifth guy is going to be a guy probably experienced in the system. It's been around, it's been around the system for a while. Um, I don't think he probably gives you as much, you know, going forward into, into future years. But I, but I, I've just got this feeling that, that that they'll keep Kumaro as the fifth wide receiver, and and you you'll see a lot of Tyler Irving wind up in you know lined up wide in three or four wide receiver sets. Yeah, Mr. Davies, where's your head at? Uh, pretty much the same. I agree. Um, I think they'll try and sneak Bagleton through to the practice squad if that's possible. Yeah, um, and and play five wide receivers, and Irving will be a gadget guy, do it all, work out the slot plays things of that nature i think they'll try and integrate them into the offense a bit more and, and then that you know it gives the wide receiver core perfect symmetry they're all six foot three 205 pounds four five forties so we, we you know that element of diversity is all there to see <laughs> <laughs> sarcasm fun so yeah if you look at um, if you look at the athletic so uh, matt schneidman who's been on the sidelines um, covering it he feels the same so he goes with five, five wide receivers Devontae Adams Lazard MVS ESB and Jay Kumaro and again uh, like you Pete he's going with Kumaro he, you know he he talks about um, Shepard and he says that Shepard and Kumaro are kind of on par Kumaro has that we all know what Kumaro's ceiling is now effectively Darius Shepard has been doing that and probably has potential to grow but just with no preseason or anything like that to look at He's going Jay Kumar just because um, he's in the system. Packersnews.com uh, goes and has all the same people but adds Reggie Begleton in there as well. Now, there's a rumour circulating, and we all love rumours that are unsubstantiated, but why not, uh, is that they were covering Reggie Begleton, that he did some nice stuff, but allegedly, and it's all no basis whatsoever, but let's go with it because every other news site does, um, Reggie Begleton has stopped being talked about because he is more of a weapon and that the Packers brass have told reporters not to talk about him because exactly that, they want to sneak him to the practice squad um, if they can. So there we go. Uh, Yeah, well, there you go. The conspiracy (laughs) theories is what we're here for, right? Um, Running back, as you said, uh, Tyler Irvin makes a squad. Now, on everybody's prediction, he looks tacked on. You know, he's our specialist guy, return guy. 
He saved the Packers, but again, saved us from an ex- like the lowest base in our history. Um, so that's something to take into account. Andy, Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, AJ Dillon, Tyler Irvin, the four running backs uh, that are in the athletic. Any room for Dexter Williams or John Lovett if you want to bring the fullbacks into the Orbeez as well for you? Or do you think they go with those four? Uh, no, I think they go with those four. It wouldn't be my preference. I think Dexter Williams has been unfortunate not to be able to be given an opportunity but like like we said sort of back in the spring it was pretty obvious that the preseason was going to go the journey and, and for people like that that's the uh that's the negative part of it isn't it because they're not going to get a chance to to get out the doghouse on the field where it matters um and, and for some of the younger guys you're absolutely right i think that they're gonna suffer the result and they'll go with a tried and tested over over potential and uh maybe in some cases talent Peter, are you thinking the same with those four guys? Do you think it's matter-of-fact stuff? Yeah, no, absolutely the same. And I think, you know, Dexter Williams, assuming that he gets through waivers, will end up on the practice squad. And Patrick Taylor's the other guy that's you know, been mentioned a little bit. Um, he's he's injured, and I, and I guess he'll start the season on one of the injury lists, whether that's, you know, injured reserve or, or whatever it is these, this year. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, the, the, the four of them seem pretty nailed on to me yeah which is a it's a shame um as you say Andy you were high on Dexter Williams weren't you really or felt that like you were excited to see what he could do um but it yeah, didn't work out for him um let's move on then to tight ends so all this talk about Bobby Tanyan and like all this stuff of oh don't sleep on Bobby Tanyan so they're saying Robert Tanyan <laughs> is in there at tight end one for what it's worth Jay Sternberger is seen as kind of the uh you know the second coming of insert Hall of Fame tight end here. Mercedes Lewis has been brought back, which I love the angle that they took with him on the reporters. I think everyone else was like, oh, what can, why, why do you love the game? Or what do you see? They just said to him, Mercedes, why are you still doing this? Which he must must made him feel really, really great for them to question his sanity. Uh, but he's still sticking around. Um, stout blocker, you know, leader room guy. And more importantly, he's in Aaron Rodgers' uh friend group so there's that as well he's always pulling for him um, and then Josiah Deguara <laughs> as well um, is in there so these four lads again on the Athletic Peter I mean is this another one of these groups that we talked about from the top of the down where it's just like these are tacked on It's of course these lads are going to make it um, and out of those four then if it's a boring yes I agree um, you know this is sort of vanilla stuff with the tight ends um, what what's your opinion on these tight ends? I mean, is Josiah Deguara does he intrigue you? Does Jay Sternberger deserve a chance? What does he have? Three catches <laughs> in his NFL career? Mercedes Lewis is he literally just a blocking body? What are we talking about here with this group? Well, I think I think I think it's <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think I think it's a bunch of question marks, Steve. I think there's a lot of hopes. You know, there's a lot of hopes that Sternberger's going to be, you know, the next coming of. I don't know who George Jimmy Kittle Graham, or Jimmy Graham. <laughs> I hope not. Um, uh, you know, um, but I nearly said George Graham then. Oh yeah, soccer, soccer please. Um, yeah, the second coming of George Kittle or whoever. But but we have to be realistic. We just don't know. Hmm. You know, the, the guy got on the field right at the end of last season. He started training camp on the COVID list, so hasn't had a full camp. So I mean. For those of us on the outside looking in, we just nobody knows what we've got in Sternberger, and, and we have to say the same with with Deguara. You know, there's there's lots of positives coming out of camp about him, and and certainly, you know, they like his versatility and stuff. Um, but it's 
it's certainly probably the biggest question mark position on on offense because we just don't know what we've got with those guys. And Andy, I mean, Bobby Tanyan has a top knot, right? Which is the same as George Kittle. So does that mean they have the same skill set? I don't know. Did Jared Cook have a top knot? Uh, I don't did think Michael he did. Have a top knot? No, not so you much. Know, did Peter? Did Paul Kaufman have a top knot? Did <laughs> Keith Jackson have a top knot? Did Mark Shamir have a top knot? I'd take any one of those guys right now. Uh, uh, you know, <laughs> well, jeez, it's, it's science. Uh, it's science, Andy. They didn't have it, and they were good. So this must mean yeah. that he's bad, right? Is that why? <laughs> Oh, do you know, I, you know, I had high hopes for Sternberger in the spring. Yeah. Um, you, you thought he was trending in the right direction. He finished the season strong, and it looked like he was heading in the right direction. You know, but I think to miss the start of camp with with obviously the COVID um, was a disappointment, wasn't it? Yeah. Tonya, we've seen flashes, but we've we've only seen flashes. I think I think Mercedes Lewis was inspired by Jimmy Graham to to continue. If he can do four yards after the catches, five looks, you know, it looks favourable, doesn't it? It's a twenty percent so, or twenty-five percent increase, you know, when uh, you want to look at it. So exactly, yeah, I mean, that's pretty every much. positive. We're, we're going to take every positive out of it. So I think he's looked at that, and he's a far superior blocker, isn't he? In the yeah. fact that he wants to block, so uh, unproven, unknown. I, I don't know what we've got, and I, I do long for. A start of years gone past. <laughs> well, I, I was a bit concerned when you'd said you'd take any of those guys right now. Paul Kaufman's 64 years old. Well, I, 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 <laughs> he was in the same class as Mercedes Lewis at school, apparently. So, um... <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is another one that sort of hit the news. And again, you sort of have to take with a pinch of salt sometimes the off-season reporting. And there's been a lot of salivating over the offensive line position. And I don't mean that in a good way. You know, we're, we're sorted on the left side. Um, Lane Taylor, her injury, Peter, uh, ends up coming back and literally building his bicep um, and he's coming in and he's, you know, we, we see reports from camp and I don't know if this is going to be met with uh, derision and laughter, but he's won every one-on-one, including against Kenny Clark. So he's been, you know, whatever he's been asked to do, he's been really putting it up to people and making a performance for himself. And it's that whole, it's not really a rags to riches story, but I feel bad to him. We've seen this happen with me a couple of years ago with JC Treader, um, where, you know, he'd get injured and then come back in and then get injured again and then come back in and fight for his spot and, you know, all this sort of lark um, and then ended up going off to the Browns. So Lane Taylor, a successful story. Peter, talk to me about that right side. Are we set on that, do you think? And does that just come down to the monetary value of the contracts of the people involved? And then outside of that, who else do we have that's going to make this? Is it a nine or 10 O-lineman jobby for you for this 53? Yeah, it, it, it's definitely nine or 10. Mm. Uh, in, an, in an ideal world for me, it would be 10. Um but I'm just not sure that we can fit 10, you know, with the num with the numbers game. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you're absolutely right that you, we're, we're set on the left side of the line with Bakhtiari and Jenkins, Corey Lindsley at center. And then that, and then so, that, then that right side of the line is, um, well, it's questions, isn't it? It's from all reports that we can gather coming out of camp, you've got, you've got to believe that um, Lane Taylor is going to be the starter at right guard. That, yeah. that appears to be, um, certainly the inference of what we're seeing from from camp and then just big questions at, at, at right tackle obviously you know Wagner was signed to play there um, but he's been injured Turner's now injured um, so I think both of those guys stick on the roster but who's going to end up playing at playing at right tackle who knows who knows so I think so I think you have those you have those six definitely make it um, so that's back to Ari Jenkins Taylor, Turner, Lindsley, Wagner. 
I think Lucas Patrick definitely makes it. It's almost, you know, there's nothing that that we've seen or heard that would indicate for a reason for him not to make it. Um, you know, and he's your kind of primary backup then at, at centre and, and at guard. So I think you've got that that core of players. And then it's, you know, it's, you <laughs> think, I, 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 I'm going to say that John Runyon will make it mm. as, a back, as a backup guard. But I, I, but then I think beyond that, it becomes a question. Of, it becomes a question of numbers. Yeah. And we're talking about players like: Do you take a what in essence is a, is a third centre in, in Jake Hansen? Do you need more more backup at tackle? And if so, you know, you're looking at the likes of Alex Light, Josh Nyman. You know, it wouldn't surprise me this week if there's not a call out to 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 Vald here. You know, although although they've gone all this time and not spoken to him. Just think with the injury to Billy Turner that that that, that call's got to happen. Mm. So yeah, it's kind of a little bit of hodgepodge after the first after the first three or four. To be honest, I don't know what your what your thoughts are, Andy. Um, I, I was hoping we we're going to go to um, three down lineman rules and then we have a chance. <laughs> <laughs> um, so if Bakhtiari goes down, who's your swing tackle? Yeah, who, I, who play who plays yeah. left tackle? I, I, out I, of that. I, I've got the same nine as you. I have no difference. So I have Bakhtiari, Jenkins, Lindsley, Taylor, Turner, Wagner, Patrick, Runyon, and I have Hansen as my nine. Yep. yep. Um, Bakhtiari goes down. I have no idea who, who that guy is. Right tackle, we're paying Wagner a, a sizable chunk of money. Um, I don't even think he plays 50% of the games given his injury history. And, and I think you're right. <clears throat> It'll be one of the guys on the street, whether it's a uh, a Cody Glenn or a Jared Valdir or something of that nature that is on that list. That that list can't is my list, and I think that's what it'll be. But that that can't be our starting. I just filled me with dread, to be honest. Who would have thought uh, that outside of Bakhtiari and Jenkins, that would be our collection of offensive linemen this time last year? That's it's mind-boggling, to be honest. When you've got a thirty million dollar quarterback behind you, wow. Yeah, and stuff. the fact as well, lads, that Bakhtiari's contract's coming up next year, Lindsley the same, and it does, doesn't even bear thinking of um, what's going to go on. But again, they've they've always been a team, haven't they, that they've looked at their own line and just expected to be able to slot the next guy in. I've talked to the blue in the face about, you know, the old stalwarts they used to be there and who they slotted in after, but um, yeah, a sort of sorry state of affairs. But that's that's always the way it is with this um, roster predictions, that we always say with a caveat that, look, we're going to pick for the information that we have. We don't have a crystal ball to look into the future about who they're going to bring in um, to sort of try plug any holes as well. So this obviously will not be um, the final one. But And if we can move to the defensive line then on the other side of the ball, um, this is one of those things where, you know, you've Kenny Clark and friends, you know, it's, isn't it really? Um, when, <laughs> when you look at this sort of thing, it's that, and don't get me wrong, and I'm not being overly negative, I think Montrevious Adams um, had shown some flashes, but the the main stuff that stood out with me with him over the years is the fact that Petten was like, oh, I didn't like him, and now I like him again, you know, and the, the, the fact that that's even there um, in the narrative is a bit concerning of a guy who was sort of seen as kind of not a want away, but not putting in the effort, and then all of a sudden got his arse in gear. It's not a very good look. Kingsley Kiki has looked very lively. Um, again but there's been stuff later with injuries he hasn't really got a chance Tyler Lancaster has some flashes um, I've said on the podcast before Dean Lowry and Jason Spriggs are interchangeable they're the same person even though they play completely different positions than Spriggs is with the Bears I believe um, so you know it's it's a it's a pretty 
motley rabble after the highest paid nose tackle in the NFL, is it not? No, you're, you're spot on again. Um, you've got Kenny Clark, elite level player. Um, I like the potential of, uh, of Kiki. Mm. So I think that um, from what I've seen, um, he's flashed some real brilliance to me. So it just depends whether or not he has a platform to deliver from that. After that, you know, there's an old saying in sport, you're only as good as your last game. The last game we watched, we saw our D-line gash. It wasn't just a D-line, but you know the whole defense. But mm. for the most part, you could you could lay the blame on a lot of it at the defensive line. Uh, and for all the Lowry and Lancaster are you know, 100% effort guys, they're not upper echelon of NFL defensive linemen. Are they? I think that's fair to say, uh, based on what they've produced so far. So, um, and they're both deep enough into their careers that there's going to be no sort of you know, uh, sizable growth in terms of improvement, I would guess, would be the best way to describe that. So, again, it's another position where I'm a bit flabbergasted that we haven't dipped into the free agent market, given all the salary cap constraints that we do have. But yeah. there's, there's people on there that would probably be available at a, at a reasonable price, and I'm just surprised that we haven't uh, dipped our toe in there. Probably as surprised as I was on draft day that we didn't dip our toe into the crop <laughs> there Thank either. You. Yeah, yeah. Pete, um, how do you see this defensive line? And Andy's right, isn't he? I mean, you know, you're not going to get a player who's been playing for as long as some of these boys have and then all of a sudden take that step up. I mean, we're not looking. There's no Kyler Fackrell as a once-off, right? I mean, this guy who brought his career to the next level after, after you know, not winning a one-on-one on camp, um, albeit he's since moved on and played a different position. But I mean, you know, when you look at this, these group of guys, um, Pete, is there any hope that they become dominant? Do they benefit from our, you know, I'm not going to say inside linebacker, of course, that'd be just silly, but our outside linebacker core, I mean, do we need the Smiths to play at a really high level? Do we need Gary and Williams and whoever else you guys want to put in there to sort of help these dudes do their job? So so I think, I think, I think, yes. I, I think that um, answering the last part of your question, I, I think the, the only way the Packers can have a successful defense. Well, I think there's two ways. It's a successful defense with that defensive line is with high level play at other positions like the, you know, like the Smiths that you've just described, like, like Gary and, and hopefully from the inside. Uh, and the only other way is through scheme. Yeah. You know, if Mike Petting can be really clever. Um, but the, the worrying thing as Andy points out, and quite rightly, you know, you can't put it all down on the defensive line, and, and I get and I get that. But you look at how the defense was gashed in that in that NFC Championship game, and and you look at the the guys aside from Clark, and you think, well, those guys are not guys that are going to give you seven, eight, nine, ten sacks a season. They're not mm. those types of players. But if they're not giving you that, and we're still being gashed playing the run, then you know there are a lot of question marks let's 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 just put put it like that so yeah i think i think this is a group where clark's obviously an an outstanding an outstanding player kiki you hope is going to be an up and comer and then larry and lancaster solid hard working guys but they almost make this roster by default this year yeah and then you imagine they keep a fifth defensive lineman, but who that's going to be? Montrevious Adams, possibly, but he's English. Um, English, he's injured. Oh, that's a worse. <laughs> oh, Jesus! <Come> <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I don't know where that came from. Montrevious <laughs> Adams is, in, is injured. NFL UK, by the way, are tweeting about this right now. Like, oh, Montrevious <laughs> Adams is from London. Did you know? <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I don't know. Adams or, or Trev, Trayvon Hester, I guess. Yeah. Um, and, and Hester quite, quite possibly has the edge there simply because Adams is injured. But I think that there's something appears to be in Gooty's head or in somebody's head there that they like Adams. Mm. They think he's still going to take that next that next step. So I don't know, that fifth defensive lineman, I don't know. What do you think, Steve? Uh, yeah, just like you said, it's default. For an awful lot of these positions, it's default. I mean, even if you go back to the offensive line, I think that who they slot in almost depends on A, who's injured, and B, who has a contract that's higher number that they can't justify. So I think when it comes to defensive line, uh, Kenny Clark, Dean Lowry, Tyler Lancaster, Kiki, and they probably keep as long as Adams hasn't annoyed Petten too much, uh, they just keep him sticking around. I would imagine I don't see anyone after that, um, to be honest. And if you can get on to linebackers, then with I think what we'll do lads is we'll shove the outside and the inside linebackers together just to give you a flavor. Um, Andy, maybe if we can come to you uh, first on this to give you a flavor, Packers News. Dot com at outside has the two Smiths for Sean Gary and they go with uh, Randy Ramsey instead of Tim Williams and then when it comes to inside linebackers they go with Christian Kirksey Oren Burks Ty Summers and Kamal Martin what do you have to say about those? Yeah so the Smith brothers Gary I I have um, I have Garvin and Teeper um, hmm. and I'd keep Williams as well because the numbers sort of add up yeah um, inside linebackers um, if you're asking me personally, we're down to one. I keep Kirksey, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, and and figure out some sort of defense that involves one inside linebacker. Um, the reality is we'll keep Burks and Summers now because obviously Martin's going to be out till mm. yeah, foreseeably the end of the season. Well, week eleven are they saying now? Is it week eleven that it's scheduled? But it's a long, long way down the track, isn't it? So. Again, frustrating. I think Kirksey's a great addition. I really do. I really like it. I like the way he plays. I think he's a good fit um, for a number of reasons. Um, uh, is there a stronger group of outside linebackers in the NFL? I'm not sure there is. You know, with a combination of Z, Preston and Gary. <clears throat> I really like Garvin. I really liked him at draft day and he's been, by all accounts, you know, he's been impressive in, in camp so far. So he's learning from the best. Um, and I think the two young guys, Williams and Teeper, have got something as well. Yeah. Um, and give us that diversity that I think you need at the edge, you know, a little bit quicker, a little bit more, um, a little bit shorter. So, yeah, um, outside linebacker, we're in, a, we're in a strong position. Inside linebacker, uh, not so. <laughs> Taxi. Yeah, so Pete, when we look at the outside linebackers on The Athletic then, um, so The Athletic and PackersNews.com, for what it's worth, they both go with Garvin being cut, but I do see camp reports saying that he's playing well. I always see at the end of training camp that uh, Tiba is coming in with some nice stuff as well. His name's been dropped in there. But again, they have him being cut in all of these predictions online. Where is your head at with both of these position groups? Yeah, so I think outside linebacker, Smith Brothers, Gary, I think Garvin... Garvin and or Tim Williams make it. I think one of those two makes it. They possibly both make it, as Andy said, depending on the numbers. Yeah. You know, um, but but I think I think one or both of those guys makes it. And then on the on the inside, Kirksey, Summers. So I think what they do with Martin, uh, we don't know the full extent of the of, of the injury situation. 
if if he can come back sometime around mid-season, then I think he makes the 53 and then and then goes to injured reserve immediately afterwards, so they can bring him back. Yeah. Um, so I think I think they wave one of the other guys and then bring him back when they put Martin on injured reserve. Um, so I think they're just going to try and sneak sneak something through that way. Uh, the, the saving grace at inside linebacker, as Andy said, you know, Kirksey looks looks really good. You know, and the Packers, you know, play with one inside linebacker for a lot of the time. So, so as, as Andy said, you know, Pet, Petting's going to scheme it scheme it that way. So, not having a permanent, you know, full time second inside linebacker is okay, as long as long as. Kirksey doesn't get himself get injured. Yeah, Andy, what do you think it is? I mean, do you think that um, just it's, you know, look, and I'll say this again, and I know um, this isn't always the answer, right? These lads are, are paid to do this job, and you'd expect that they know what they're doing, but there's enough teams that are rubbish where you'd say, all right, there's lads in there that are paid to do their job too, and they're crap at it, right? But if we look at this, and we look at the defensive line, and we look at the strength of the outside linebacker, we look at the weakness of the inside linebacker, is this a pet and scheme thing? Does he does he have to paste over uh, the gaps with scheme, or is it the other way around that he doesn't need the dynamite players on the defensive line because, you know, he schemes it some other way? Now I don't particularly think that's the case. I think I don't think they expected to do as well as they did with the Smiths last year, and that ended up panning out way better than they thought. So my answer is no. Is your answer also no to that? That this isn't a schematic thing defensively; it's just a deficiency that they just have to work around with this type of stuff. I'm probably in the halfway house. I think it, there is a portion of it schematically that we have to sort of scheme to cover up deficiencies. But yeah. I think the problem is the, the NFL is a copycat league and they'll pick it up as well. You know, and the whole league would have been watching the San Francisco game and it'll be and have spent all off season planning towards them um, deficiencies. Because what have we done to address those issues in, in the meantime? So with, with Kirksey, uh, yep, and that's that's pretty much it, isn't it? Yeah. So I, I think that's the worry for me. Um, I've said it all along. Um, I like Gurukuns as a GM, but I think his biggest fault, and it's a it's a major fault, is his trust in the existing roster hmm. um, and, and the failure to admit that it is potentially not the answer. Uh, and that's just about being aggressive and, and cutting your losses sometimes, isn't it? And, and admitting that you've got it wrong in cases. So. I don't know. The, the trust for me is 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 not always founded, and that, and that's the weakness for me, together with some of the schematic things that you've just alluded to. And again, if we go on to schematic stuff, Pete, uh, he likes to use DBs uh, very inventively. We see him dropping them, you know, use them as basically hybrid linebackers. So when we look at the yeah. cornerback position, um, yeah, I say instead of throwing the two of them together, cornerback and safety, we'll stick to cornerbacks here. Is this obvious for you and how many and who would you pick at the cornerback position and why? And just on that point though Steve before yeah. you sort of dig into the cornerbacks it, it, a lot of it's to do with getting your best 11 players on the field Yeah. end of yeah. you know end of it's all about schemes and schematics and all that but if you look at the Green Bay defence and you pick the 11 best players who do you pick? Who do you pick? You pick out of D-line you pick one Kenny Clark yeah and then you're going to pick the two Smith brothers potentially Gary you know, then you're going to pick Kirksey, and then you want both safeties on the field. You want both corners, right? You're done. Yeah, yeah. Th- th- there's no room for anything else. But if any of those, any multitude of combinations of those get injured, mm. we, we suddenly look a whole different team, a whole different team. You know, and these guys can't play 65 snaps a game, and that's that's where I 
fill up you know the patine a little bit that he's got limited options doesn't he limited options and he, he can scheme up for whatever but if suddenly suddenly comes at you with a run heavy offense or a pass heavy offense you know it, to whichever degree they choose to sort of attack us we, we're just a little bit limited I think that's the problem exactly, exactly that Andy and, and on that point to follow on I mean sure look at the lads who you just mentioned um, and look at uh, you know because they asked Matt LaFleur, how come you stayed so healthy last year? And, you know, you have people pointing the finger at, look at the practice times that were lower, look at the way they do the veteran rest days and everything else. But he said himself that it's luck. So whereas on the bare side of the ball, they're like, oh, yeah, we, you know, when they had like an, an, a grand, let's call it, year uh, two years ago. Um, and we all know why that was on the defensive side of things. But anyway, like Jair Alexander and Kevin King, you know, last year, what was the first year that they played? And I think even then, they the, the both of them didn't play the full season Correct me if I'm wrong here, but there wasn't there 14 out of the 16 games, I think the two of them played kind of yeah. on and off. Um, and then before that, we'd never seen this partnership. And the, the whole question with Kevin King's contract is, is that, you know, what will he bring this year? Will he just get injured again? And it was different injuries. So you have two fellas there who were injured before. Christian Kirksey comes in with a murky injury history as well. Um, Adrian Amos, Darnell Savage, you know, Darnell Savage is young, but again, he has been injured. Um, uh, you look at the, the Smiths that were seen as inconsistent in form. I guess uh, Kenny Clark very durable but outside of that kind of who do we have and if you go to all of these players it's just that they have have some really murky injury history not that they're injury prone I'm not even going to go down that road but it's the nature of a contact sport so as you say the minute one of those goes out well then the sort of schematic stuff looks an awful lot more you know there's more stock put into it yeah absolutely right and, and you know as Andy alluded to you know the more these guys are on the field mm you know, the more chance they've got of being injured. So if, if you know, Sidarius Smith's playing 65 snaps a game, well, he's got a downside more chance of being injured than if he only had to play 40 snaps a game. And he was injured a lot, Pete, yeah. last season. The amount of times you yeah. saw him get knocked up yeah. and then get back up again, yeah. sort of like the rising dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. absolutely. So with, with that said, then, um, cornerback-wise, you know, we see Jair Alexander and the Kevin King partnership and everything else and we see an awful lot of different narratives going on with Shannon Sullivan and Josh Jackson uh, where are you at now Pete with this cornerback position their general consensus is six cornerbacks yep. that we go with do you agree with it and who are you going for yeah so I do I, I do I do agree with six and I think you know that's six based on the history of recent years you know Pettin likes to have a lot of DBs and, and traditionally over recent years the Packers have kept six sometimes even seven but so i'm going for alexander and king i think chandon sullivan i think josh jackson makes it again this is this is one where you know as i said earlier in the year for me i would like to have seen them talk to tremont williams and that could happen this week you know but it but it seems late in the day it feels like if they were going to do it they would have done it by now so i think jackson i think jackson makes it i think kadar holman and then and then the the sixth one is a guy that i know that and andy liked when we talked to, talked about him you know back in the draft days and, and what have you is um stanford samuels i think will sunderland would have been pushing for that sixth spot but he's he's injured so i think he'll end up on injured reserve uh, as the season starts so so yeah so alexander king sullivan jackson holman and samuels concur with that andy yeah totally Totally concur with that, and I think Sullivan's the the, the bright hope, isn't he? I think that all reports are out on yeah. what we saw last year. I think he's the one guy who could could take a significant leap forward, and and hopefully so. Uh, and maybe it's Jackson. I, I just really like Jackson on the perimeter. I don't like him in the slot. 
I just think he looks like a fish out of water. Um, and I think that that's potentially where um, he'd be better suited on the perimeter. You yeah, get more out of him that way. Yeah, and I, you know, and I'd love to see Jackson come through. You know, I was, I was high on him coming out of coming out of college, and I know he'd only started that that one year, so there were always going to be some question marks. But you know, I thought that picking him up in the second round, as they did, that they they potentially got a guy who lots of people would thought would be a first round pick. So I would I would love to see him, love to see him, you know, kind of bounce back as it were or start to come through. I think that'd be great. And Kevin King, Andy, for you, I mean, is this his last year in Green Bay or can we even predict or call that at this stage? Um, yeah, I think the, the, the dollars are going to um, you know, determine what happens there, aren't they? I, I, I think if you're asking me today, which of the players greatest at risk, I would say that, it's unlikely Corey Lindsley comes back if we have designs on Patiawi signing. And I would say it, it, the same can be said of Kevin King. It's highly unlikely that we could afford to bring him back on the sort of salary he'll be commanded. So yeah. those two players for me would be, you know, be the ones to be the last seasons in Green Bay. And, and, and that's the bit, isn't it, that, you know, typically in a contract year, uh, you see something different from players, you know, so it would be interesting to watch. Yeah, like I, I personally think he's gone he's gone any which way because if he plays too well, well then yeah. he's too highly priced. If he gets injured again, well then he's too injury prone and he's gone. Uh, or he's cheap, yeah. but I don't I think the Parkers would shy away. Pete, when it comes to contract stuff, especially with the salary cap going to go down next year, um, can we predict at all how that's going to impact uh, you know, the players for the contracts that are up next year? Do you think? Yeah, well, I think I mean I think you've you've picked a great example in 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 King because if you know if he plays well, then his contract is going to be too too high next yeah. year. The only way he stays in Green Bay is if he plays badly this year, which is not what we, <laughs> which is which is not what we want to see happen. Fingers so, crossed, beast. So, so you know it's it's and I, and I yeah I think that you know Bakhtiari is is the is the must re-sign guy. Yeah. No, um, Lins is a free agent, but you got to feel that 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 he's gone, and you know they're they're already close to next year's uh, perceived cap number without even thinking about re-signing back Tiari and some of the other guys. So Aaron Jones as well. I mean, um, we see Joe yeah. Mixon's contract come out today or yesterday, and that yeah. nearly spells the end for Aaron Jones and Green Bay, does it not? And I think that's the th- it. It does, and I think you know we have to we have to be realistic. And and it's the same for you know for most teams every year you just can't re-sign everybody. Yeah. And as you said, Steve, you know the cap number's going to go down next year. The market's going to be going to be depressed somewhat. So I think that Bakhtiari is the must re-sign, and then uh, and then I think you go from there. I think once you've got Bakhtiari re-signed and you see what those numbers are, 16, 17, 18 million a year, whatever that number it whatever that number is, then. Then you know the Packers in the in the next off season will will go from there, and there'll be some guys like um, Billy Turner, even Preston Smith, and I hate to say that uh, Wagner. That it wouldn't surprise me if we don't see those guys back next year. And Andy, I mean, when we look at those positions of need, the likes of Aaron Jones, I know we're kind of getting away from uh, getting onto safeties, which is you know the last position group that we have to go on to. Would you expect then them to be trying their best with Chandon Sullivan or the likes of Josh Jackson, Kadar Holman, um, particularly Stanford Samuels? I know, as Pete said, you were you were pretty high on him, and on the running back side of things. Do we see them try force AJ Dillon in earlier than you would expect 
with a guy like him just to try see what they have in a replacement knowing that you know all things considered that some of these players just simply cannot be brought back for monetary reasons yeah difficult one to understand really I'm still trying to process why we take a running back in the second round of the draft to be honest even given the Aaron Jones conundrum um, I think he'll have a, a niche role uh, in the offence at some point in the year but it wouldn't surprise me that he doesn't make the active day roster in, in, in the first six weeks of the season to be honest because we're just so religiously you know set with Williams and, and Jones at running back so um, I don't know it'd be interesting to see I don't know how, how they're going to play it um, I, I'd be gutted if Jones went I think he's one of the two premium players in the NFL and I think he's I think he's underrated not only by the Packers fans but I think NFL wide I still think he doesn't get his his dues I think he's still underrated for by many people which is you know surprising and I don't think the 48 million that is it Mixon got I don't think that's out of the ballpark but anything above that I think we're going to struggle aren't we so um, and then we just need to do some I think Peter's hit the nail on the head I think we're we're, we're top heavy in places and we need to we need to reset the the structure of of where we apportion the money. If I'm honest, um, I don't know. I I thought that the last two years, that last year and this were, were were a golden opportunity for us. We were well positioned from a um, you know having a quarterback, having a left tackle, having a premium running back, premium wide receiver, outside linebacker, two decent cornerbacks. We have got the the basis of a, a real contending team which it proves going all the way to the NFC Championship game but I just don't think we've done a great job in adding those pieces of the jigsaw that you need Yeah, uh, and that's a, that's a frustrating bit for me and it may be that it gets a little bit worse before it gets better if, if, uh, if truth be known and I yeah I, I, and I would agree with that I think I think that the, the cap situation they've got next year is not a good one no and, and, and I think that so, so they're going to have to make moves from a cap perspective. Um, but I think if they can get through next year, then then I think the cap situation will start to will start to look a lot a lot better. So I think that you know they're going to have to make some difficult moves and some moves that that us from the outside looking in will hate. I think. Yeah. But you know they've almost got to get through next year from a cap perspective and then i think it picks up again in in 2022 yeah i agree i think it's almost a forced reset that they just they come up you hit your limit there's nothing you can do so you need to kind of um yeah get rid of some really good guys as you say yeah and i guess what that what that all goes back to is almost where we started this thing and it's it's that second level of guys behind those starters yeah you know you could get through next year with those guys if, if some of those step up you know, if if a Alan Lazard or a Sternberger or a, I don't know, um, Chandon Sullivan, if one if those types of guys suddenly become players that we'd love them to be, but we're not sure that they're going to be, if they could be that level, then you know that's how you get through next year. Well, here's a hill, and here's the hill that I will die on. Right, I think, and I just I don't know whether it's wishful thinking, but I think that our wide receiver core has. Uh, an unbelievable potential. Now, someone rinsed me and someone ripped me apart here, but I think that uh, I have every faith that our wide receiver court... Now, if you look at it, that's what's that's the least of Warriors, right? Because defensive line, no one, um, Kenny Clark, and then, you know, there's some there's some guys there. I'm not being, you know, disrespectful to these guys. They're, you know, you know, man mountains or whatever. But the wide receiver position in particular is one that I would zone in on and go, I know it looks poor, 
Uh, but from looking at a tape of Alan Lazard and compiling his stuff and MVS, like, look, there's some glaring stuff there, some mad errors and just MVS disappeared and then he has reasons for it. Can someone please tell me why the wide receiver core can't do some nice stuff? Apart from the fact that it's not Matt LaFleur's way if he wants to go run heavy, I get that. But can someone please rinse me over this? I, I, I don't want to be disrespectful to the wide receiver. They get enough stick from, from everybody, including me, to begin with. It, it's not about that. It's about what else is was out there on the market and available uh, and would have given us something a little bit different. Um, I think that's, that's my point. If I, if I think, if he fast forward to week one, and you look at the guy who's on the other side of the ball, whether it's Thielen and, and Justin Jefferson, I'll give you, so he'll be a rookie in his first NFL game with Kirk Cousins as his quarterback, but I'll give you, I'll take Justin Jefferson to take more yards than the, all the Green Bay wide receivers with the exception of Devontae Adams. There you go. That, that's the difference for me in terms of you you are you've got solid NFL players who who can provide you something on every given Sunday, and then you've got premium players with the potential to be you know all pros, and and that's that's what I'm talking about. Do do I think Alan Lazar was a good player? Absolutely, I thought he was outstanding last year. But do I think he'll be an all pro? And do I think he'll be a difference maker that will attract double teams and all that? That's what you're asking me. Then I don't I don't think that's going to be the case. And nor do I see that right the way down the five. Kumro's not that person. No. Uh, MVS is, has been too inconsistent so far. And we don't really know what we've got in EQ, do we? So <clears throat> I, I guess the jury's out on that one. But from the tape we saw in his, his, his first year, I haven't seen that star quality. Five, you know, serviceable vets would be my, you know, summary. So with the exception of Adams, you know. But there you go. Who's a superstar? Yeah, and he is, you know, and he's worked hard to get there, hasn't he? It didn't just land on it; it was difficult yeah. for his first three years, isn't it? So that's well, he, yeah, the, he was dumped on for that, a lot of yeah. that as well. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. you know, God, that guy, that dude's worked his socks off, hasn't he? I mean, his route running is is second to none in the NFL, isn't it? It's an absolute thing of beauty, isn't it? To watch him set people up, you know, it's just, it's just a, uh, you know, he's he's worked at his craft and he's he's outstanding. Now, whether or not the other guys can follow suit and and work, you know, equally as diligently to to maximise the talents, you know, the jury's still out, isn't it? But, um, yeah, I, I, it's not about getting down on the guys that we've got. It's about what's been out there and what was a, a bumper crop of wide receivers in both this year's and last year's two degrees draft. That was my point. Uh, and I'll stick by that because, you know, how different our corps could look with a, a different approach to it, you know. Yeah, it's a it's a difficult one. I, I, you know, you, I, you can look at that group of wide receivers beyond Adams and you can think it it doesn't look great but then you can look at say Lazard MVS EQ young guys you know that all you really need is one of those guys you know and I, and I think that I think that that's probably where the Packers are as an organization is thinking that that we've got three guys similarish you know a body shape similarish size Perhaps similarish skills, and and almost hoping that one of the three makes the makes the next step, if you like. You know, it goes from being a a, a forty catch wide receiver to a sixty or seventy catch wide receiver. So if they really believed in them, though, Peter. So if they really believed in those people, and they think you know they could see something that we haven't seen yet. 
Yeah. Why would you flirt with, and, I, and I'll list you four or five guys now in between. So Reggie Bedgelton, you know, Malik Taylor, um, uh, the guy from Indianapolis that didn't turn up. Yep. Why would you flirt with all those guys and bring all those guys in and your guy from Detroit if you were so confident with the guys that you've got? I, I, yeah, I mean, I, no, it's a good question. I don't, I don't think they're ov- ov- overly confident. I, I just think I, I just think they're playing a playing a percentages game here. Yeah. Um, you know, I think they're saying, look, I've got Lazar, Lazard, I've got MVS, I've got EQ, I've got some of the names that you mentioned, Andy, like Begleton and, and whatever else. And it's almost if you lump those together, if I if if I have enough of them, surely one of them is going to come through. I think, uh, and and I don't know that that will happen. Obviously, I yeah, you know, but I but I can only imagine that that's where they're their heads are that they've got a bunch of similar guys both in terms of athletic ability and skills and shape and size and that one of them is going to take the going to take the next step almost by the law of averages mm. um not i'm not saying i necessarily believe it uh, i just no, think that, I, that, that that has to be where their where their head is or i guess the other alternative something that that steve touched on earlier about the diversification of the offense whether that's they're going to run the ball more or whether they think with, um, you know, with Sternberger and with Deguara, they're going to get, you know, more more out of the tight end position where they could hardly get a lot less. Um, but, you know, that they're going to get more out of the tight end position and that that in turn will open things up for the second wide receiver. Yeah, I guess so. I think I just I'm just looking for indicators that, that, that they believe in what they've got. And, and number one for me is always the Aaron Rodgers um, recommendation and, and, and for all that we've had plenty of sound bites I haven't heard many of those other than at the very start of camp and the second one is, is is like I've just said they brought in what one, two, three, four, five wide receivers to add to the mix that doesn't you know all at a lower level all at an affordable uh, cost all with minimal risk and none of them have panned out but it and just I, tells me that they're not happy with the current crop, you know. That's all yeah, I'm no, saying. No, and I absolutely and I absolutely get that. And that's why once we got beyond kind of the second or third round, probably beyond the third round in, in the draft this year, I felt there was no point us taking a wide receiver from round four no, to seven. Yeah. Because yeah. you know, despite the fact that, you know, everybody was clamoring for it, couldn't believe we'd gone through the draft without taking one. But once you get to round four, well then you're just adding a similar guy to what you've already got into, yeah, exactly, into the yeah. Um yeah, I mean, I can, like I say, I can, I can only imagine one or one or two things that they think that the the offense is going to open it up for the second wide receiver, or that by the law of averages, one of these guys is going to take a is going to take a you know a, a huge step up. Well, there's one thing is for sure, lads. There's no one more annoyed about the fact that Packers didn't take someone in the draft apart from the the guy Tom Grossy, Grossy, um, <laughs> on YouTube because he said that he put seven hours solid into like doing up a wide receiver roundup video. <laughs> didn't use any of it, so there you go. Look, it could be worse, all right. I mean, we're just a about it, but I mean, that guy really put in the. He spent basically a working day for nothing. There you go. That's content creation. <laughs> but um, let's get back to a safe comment in the safeties here. And uh, let's wax lyrical about these boys. Um, again, Petten likes to be inventive with his DBs. The general consensus here is, um, well, I'd say the general consensus. They're, they're, the one on PackersNews.com is going with four. Um, and The Athletic is going with five. Peter, safety-wise, who are you going for? I think it's five. I think it's five. 
again it comes down to you know what that means with numbers at other positions but mm. i think it i think it's five um mainly because um you know Patton likes to play three safeties a lot yeah you know so you know half the games last year they started with three safeties on the on the on the field so so i think it's five and i think it's savage amos green will redmond and the rookie that nobody knew about when he was drafted vernon scott yeah Andy, do you concur with that? And how? What? What's your emotion around Raven Green? There's an awful lot of talk about him, you know, because don't they look at Raven Green as kind of like, oh well, if we need linebacker help, we have Raven Green in here. And then there's the whole last chance saloon, and then there's people being really high on him to say his potential is is sky high. Um, would you? Are you going four or five safeties? And can you tell us where you sit with with Raven Green here? Is he newsworthy? If at all. Oh, absolutely. If he's if he's got no sleeves on his t shirt, then he's linebacker material, clearly. <laughs> yeah, top where so what top knots yeah. are to tight ends, you're saying sleeves are to safeties. Gotcha. Nailed on nailed on Steve, you've got it exactly right. <laughs> this is this is why we're at the cutting edge. <laughs> oh, yeah, so that, that analysis was short and sweet but but accurate. Um yeah. And and to and to Peter's point, I still don't know anything about Vernon Scott, so he did he didn't make my list. So yeah. I, I I've got four. If I was going to add two more in, it would have been um, Eric Reed, Neil Thomas. That would have rounded out my safety group. <laughs> but from what we're hearing, uh, Andy, enough yeah. of these players are playing exactly like these people. So, I mean, you know. Oh, this is true. It's a cheaper version. <laughs> <laughs> it's a cheaper version of these all pros. Yeah, so we, we, we're sorted. Let's just hope a- Amos and um, Savage don't get injured. Yeah. Um, um, they're, they're a great tandem, aren't they? I really Brilliant. like those two. I think they're... Um, they complement each other, and they're a, uh, they performed well last year, didn't they? Um, mm-hmm. And I like them. Um, and I think um, I like Will Redmond. I like I like I like what I saw of him as well. So I think he's another player that could make the jump and does have you know potential. And I would like to see what he can do. Um, I, like I say, I can't comment on Vernon Scott because I, I don't know a lot about him still. So it's, it's, it's a real chance to keep five, but I, I would just go for the four because I think I had the extra. Outside linebacker, so that's yeah. where I was at with that. To be honest, yeah, it's one of those. It's the cornerback and safeties for me is really nice to look at. Which are your Alexander, Kevin King again? There's an awful lot of hype around Shannon Sullivan. I think we should just let him be <laughs> to see what happens because even he's on saying, "Oh, my game's elevated to a different level," and I was like, "Cool, I'd love to see it." Um, and it's 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 really nice to to see someone else in the mix. Uh, Adrian Amos again. I think Pete, you remarked in you before that Adrian Amos is one of those guys who isn't a big splash play kind of fella, but we see in training camp again for what it's worth and again like we've said we've ran out of salt here uh, to give you too much pinches of it even but Adrian Amos he's been coming down with some interceptions in camp and he's looking pretty lively as well so that's a good sign right? It's an excellent sign and I think you know I think you hit the nail on the head we, we you know for, for these guys and for, for the whole of the, the you know the, the defensive backfield the next step for these guys is to start turning solid you know good plays into turnovers yeah you know, because at the end of the day, in the NFL, turn, turnovers win and win and lose your games, and and you know you'd be looking for your starting safeties to have three or four interceptions each over the course over the course of the season, and the same with your same with your corners. So I think that's the next thing that we're looking for from 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 those guys. But you know, really solid solid across the whole of the defensive backfield. I think. Yeah, um, Andy. So that kind of wraps up our sort of overall overarching uh, player by player position group 
how are you feeling about this team going into the season? And then if we want to do an over-under, how many games do you think we play this season? Do you think we go the full hog? Um, you know, do we play all 16 oh, games, oh. get to the playoffs, or are you going with a big COVID catastrophe is coming down the line? Wow, that's a curveball, isn't it? Um, very interesting. Uh, I'm going to go with 16. Yeah. yeah. Packers wins, are we looking at, yeah? Uh, I'll say nine. Right. Nine. Nine wins. So wherever nine wins takes you. Yeah. And when you look at this roster, do you think that there's an awful lot of stuff, there's a bit of moving and shaking to go on, you know, with this roster when it comes to actual, the final game day type of stuff as well? Or... I I hope so. Yeah. Because you'd ask me again in a fortnight with if we've if we brought four or five people in and, and changed things around and maybe we've explored a trade or two. Maybe we'll, we'll you know have a different number. But at the moment, I just think that I don't know. I look at the roster one day and you see the the quality that we've got at the top end, and you think you know there's a good chance if we remained injury free that we would do something similar to last year. Yeah. But then you look at it and think. Can we be as lucky second time around with injuries? Can we be as fortunate? Can we have those close games go our way again this year and all that scenarios that play into it? The tougher schedule potentially, the factor of no, you know, supporters in the gate and the home games in particular, mm. it, it all factors in for me. And it's um, yeah, so that that takes me to sort of nine wins at the moment. Um, that that might sneak you in the playoffs because I think the NFC will be quite competitive this year mm. I really do I think it'll be outside of San Francisco I think it's quite condensed and there's a lot of unproven teams out there we don't know what Tampa Bay are going to do we don't know what you know the NFC North will be a battle as it always is but there's a lot of um, yeah New Orleans aren't going to be a standout team I don't think given given some of the issues that they've had mm. LA Rams are in transition you know there's lots of questions to be answered in the NFC so I think nine or ten wins will, will get you in the get you in the show so to speak yeah Peter uh, give us your rundown now the, here's the thing again and me and you Pete we love a bit of Don Hudson right but the stain that's on his career um, and it's not all that much of a stain it can be easily got out with a nice bit of daz is the fact that he played <laughs> in a period where an awful lot of men went off to, to war right so when we look at this season What's your thoughts on on the roster as we said it? Is there going to be big trades? Um, do you think the full season gets played with COVID? And I guess what are the odds? Because like Don Hudson's career, where there's kind of an asterisk beside it, we could see this season be can't we? That an awful lot of players go down. There's some COVID related stuff. People have to sit out. Whole games could be postponed if not the season if it gets out of hand. Um, where's all this for you? Yeah, so and and I think that's where the the, the depth. You know, becomes more of an issue. Becomes more of an issue than it would in any other year, um, and that's why it, that that depth, lack of depth, perhaps that we've talked about all the way through this, is it, it's really con, it's really concerning and overly so this year. Earlier on this year, I felt that the over under for Packers wins was ten and a half. As we've got closer to the season, I think it's nine and a half. It could be ten. It could be nine. Yeah, it's that it's that kind of area. Um, and I think that's enough to get into the playoffs. You know, we've got a seventeen playoff this year, fourteen teams. So, so I think that nine wins will give you a really good chance to get into the playoffs, as, as Andy said. And I think that's the kind of area they're in. Anywhere between eight and ten wins is 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 what this is what this feels like. Whether we'll play the whole season, I don't know. M- my gut says yes. 
I guess I guess the difficulty is going to be it's only going to take one or two teams to have to be completely hit by COVID, say in about week six or week seven. Mm. That, that where yeah, I don't know what contingency plans the league's going to have at that point. You know, because because it won't just be those teams; it'll be the teams that they've played against. Yeah. You know, the week before and all and all of that kind of thing. But I think what it does mean is that teams have to get out um, to a, to winning starts mm. and get those wins on the board quickly. Um, because, you know, what looks like a 16-game season as the season starts could could easily get curtailed to 14 or 12 or even 10 games. Yeah. yeah Stephen talked about that asterisk there. It feels more like, to me, it feels like, Peter, the strike season. Yeah. That's what it feels like. Yeah, I'm just waiting for Paul Ockaruth to, to um <laughs> appear from the depth chart. <laughs> but it's, yeah, but it is it's it's exactly that. And I think if you if you look at the the eighty seven strike season, where you know, when we had all those replacement players playing, you know, for for the three games, and then we had the eighty two strike season that started and then you know, ended up as a nine game season. And then as the season you've alluded to in particular Steve, you know, the 1942 season yeah. when lots of players went off to almost a combination of those three things is what this season feels like. Yeah. Um, and so I think it's just so important that, you know, teams that start three and three and you think, well, I've got still got 10, 10 games to recover might suddenly find hmm. week seven gets cancelled and the season restarts in week 12. And all of a sudden, you know, that three and three teams only got four games left so I think I think it's important obviously for the Packers for every team that's got playoff designs on making the playoffs that they start that they start quickly because we just don't know what's going to happen later yeah too true I mean and that's something that's been overlooked because I don't think they played a full season and I'll put that I'll pin me colors to the mast I think uh, yeah I, th- I think that the whole thing gets shut down at some stage or games are postponed with no real insight into you know whether they're going to be played again and weirdly i was on the radio on saturday talking about nba and of course the uh who would have figured uh, so the nba season again you know was shut down in march because of a positive test and then they kind of just scrapped uh, a bunch of games and said right we're all going to move down do this bubble thing um and you know so many t- if you're within a sort of you know a shot of getting the playoffs you were kind of brought down and and given a shot, and you'd have this sort of like playoff little regular season ending round thing. So I don't know whether they're going to be inventive with that, but I don't know that this season is going to be fully played. And not to be a negative dude about it, I just think with the prevalence of COVID in America, um, I, I just think it's yeah, something's there's there's too many people involved. I think I, I guess the one the one thing that's not beyond the realms of possibility is if this season starts and then we do lose games in the middle of the season that it does start looking like 1982 and you suddenly end up with a 16 team playoff yeah schedule that's that's certainly not beyond the realms of possibility where where you just take you know eight teams from each conference with the best records regardless of division yeah so um that's that's not beyond the realms of possibility yeah, and as we said, I mean, there's an asterisk beside that then, and everyone's like, yeah, well, you didn't really win it. It's like the time you bet the Chiefs last season, and they're like, yeah, but Mahomes wasn't playing. And you're like, oh, yeah, well, look, we can only beat who you feel, all right? <laughs> so can we quit it? But yeah, you know, by logic, we won the Super Bowl. But anyway, um, so I guess that brings us to uh, an end there, fellas, not unless anyone else has anything to say. I was just looking forward to it. I think um, I think, that, I think the, the first game in Minnesota is going to be interesting, isn't it? I think that's going to be, um, that'll tell us, a lot, you know, a real it's, lot. I think 
It does, and it's so strange, isn't it? Even though the preseason really doesn't count for anything, it's so strange not having it that yeah. that, you, that you've kind of got nothing, and then the season starts. Yeah. It's not that not that build up, if you like, that, that we normally have. So yeah, it's um, it's nearly upon us. That's what's really interesting. Just as you say, Pete. I mean, everyone hates preseason until you don't have it, because <laughs> then you're like, oh, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's one of those things you don't realize how important it is until it's gone. Um, and there's a, there's some sort of metaphor in there that we could get down into life but it's very late for all of us here um, so I guess we will wrap it up um, it was brilliant to talk to you lads again uh, just a wealth of knowledge as usual some lively debate as well so we'll see how it all pans out uh, and then perhaps we might be able to jump on and dissect exactly um, who we went for at the end of it all but until next week from myself Peter and Andy it's a big massive Go Pack Go and talk to you then <laughs>